Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 247 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, this week, Angelo, we are not alone. We are, of course, joined by a longtime friend, but now IRL friend of the podcast, Rob Christofferson. Rob, hi. How are you? Uh, I feel like this is becoming a yearly tradition where you kind of subject me to a book and uh <laughs> so far uh it's oh for two in the book or two realm. for two depending on how you feel about it right because yeah i was going to bring that up in the intro like so last year rob was nice enough to come on and we talked about uh frank defoli does the entity which is an awful book that angela loved for some reason i didn't love it it was uh, okay it was you, fine. I, I think of you, the three uh, of us i thought it was just fine <laughs> I, I like here's the thing there is Bad books, and then there's just fine. And I think if you come away from the uh, the entity with anything uh, above bad book, you know that's that's questionable in my head. I can't really overlook that. And uh, you have uh, there's like a rolling tally that I keep of people that I interact with on the regular uh, with um, like pros and cons, and that one's on the cons list, Angelo, oh, in my okay, head. Yeah. I think we might have agreed on this year's book, though. Yes. yes. But, okay, so we'll talk about that in a sec, because Angela, for some reason, wants to do a tech segment. So let's just slide into that super well, quick. Well, just super go. quick. It's just, it's weird that Apple is doing a Halloween event called Scary Fast. And you know how Apple usually has their events at 10, PM, 10 a.m. Pacific time and then 1 p.m. Eastern time. This one's at 5 p.m. Pacific time, so it's 8 p.m. on a Monday night, which is kind of weird. They're calling it Scary Fast, which was also in the early marketing for the m1 chip so everyone's assuming it's going to be some new sort of mac with uh, an m3 chip or maybe a faster m2 chip probably an m3 chip because they wouldn't make a whole event for just a souped up m2 so poorly named event uh, at that you know scary fast Mm. maybe they're just killing the mac they (laughs) could a murder a slasher yeah or they're slashing prices would apple slash prices no Yes, but tastefully. Like a yeah. weird kind of like rounding up kind of error. Um, my, the most important question I have is like, what will Tim Apple be dressed like? Like what costume will Tim Cook put on? Oh my God. If he's wearing a costume, that would be amazing. Boy, he has to, Angelo. Mm-hmm. You think he will? Of course. Hey, I I'm think... going to do a thing specifically on a specific day and time that is recognized as an event. Well, I mean, they're doing it the 30th, right? Not the 31st. But, what, uh, still, uh, but I, I, still, I agree you with you. I'm hoping, yeah, I'm uh, hoping, yeah. Let's be honest, okay? Uh, if you celebrate Halloween, you go out and you celebrate it, of course the festivities are on, you know, Saturday the 28th. They're That's not true. on Tuesday. Nobody's, nobody's partying You're right. on the 31st. I, I'm hoping he's dressed as an alien because this one time when he was... Mm. His memoji was an alien memoji. Oh, yeah, Tim Alien. Yeah. Tim so Alien. I'm hoping he's dressed as an alien just to make us happy. And, I mean, this is the fancy tech that the aliens do use, right? Because iPhones came from Roswell. We all there know we this. I hope they recreate the uh, 1997 Phoenix Lights press conference and <laughs> yes. go from there. <laughs> just was reveal it, a ton of stuff and then show the VHS footage yeah. just over Fife and over. Simington, is that his name? Yeah. 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 All right, Good well, that was you. it. Okay. Quick little So you just want to close thing. the door on that, just scary fast. We'll see how it goes, right? We'll see how it goes because we don't when know. This, when this episode rolls up, people will already know what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. neither of you answered my question. What is Tim Kitt going to dress like? I, d- I did. I said as an alien because that's his okay. thing. Right. Rob, what do you think? Hamburglar. It's got to be the hamburger. Ooh. He's stealing like it. all our chips. I like it. Yep. 
What if he did something really, really dirty and dressed up as like Steve Jobs or something? Oh like my god, I, that would be they, like the that was one of his best friends. I think that would be awful. No, I think that would be like I think that would indicate the new direction that Apple would be headed in, <laughs> and I would be on board. Uh, it's be- it like WWE wrestling style, where he's yeah. like he's ripping them out the mask. He's like, I'll see you competitors at like you know Royal Rumble in January or something. I want to see Apple TV bring back Celebrity Deathmatch. Let's make it happen. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Do you guys see my cat? She's like confused by her cat. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, she's like she's, trying to get her in. Is Lollipop she's trying to get making- in on this again? Yeah. This is totally a, a tale. every time. I, whenever Rob is on, absolutely, she shows up, Angela. So I'm just saying, like, I don't know what kind of weird voodoo you've got going on in your house. Yeah. And she does not show up often. We no, know this. Doesn't. Yeah. But she shows she up lot, when like, I'm here. And uh, I'm going to be honest, like, I feel like your cat and me have this rivalry that yeah. is uh, eventually. Like a guest host kind of yeah. issue going on. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is an issue. Didn't you challenge her, like, WWE style last time? Yes, yeah. and now she's back for more. So that's like super messed up, dude. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Watch your cat. Mm-hmm. Just oh. FYI, I know about wrestling. I watched the wrestlers on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Dark Side of the Ring. Not even that. I've watched that too. That's really enjoyable. But the wrestlers are really good. I forgot how much I like it. I'll slow. <sighs> what a nice little detour. Yeah. Let's, All right. Uh, head on back Off to the, to the House road. of Leaves. <laughs> yeah, House of Leaves is what we are talking about today. Um, when Rob started the episode and said he was 0 for 2. So last year, we all actually finished the book. This year, not the case. Um, so just up front, I have read 70% of the book and thumbed through the last 30. And I hate it. <laughs> I'm just going to get that out of the way. I very much dislike it. I know, Rob, you also have some thoughts. Angela, you also have some thoughts. Um, but yes, so just keep in mind, also, this is a spoiler-filled discussion. Very much. Book, House of Leaves. Um, so I'm just going to quickly explain high-level what House of Leaves is, in case you do not know what it is. It is a book released in the year 2000 by a guy named Mark Danielewski. Angelo, do you know who his sister is? Well, this is going to be one of my points, because the best part about this book, and the reason I bought it, is because it's a co-piece with the album Haunted by his sister, uh, Anne, who is known as Poe. And it is one of my favorite albums, I will say that for sure. I read House of Leaves to 100% completion in 2000 with the first edition. I remember liking it. I don't know what I was thinking 20 years ago. Did you think that perhaps you were, like, trying to be cool? And I don't mean to other people, but to yourself, like, I finished this, like, great piece of literature now i'm gonna no go. i i don't i don't remember it being this obtuse i thought it was better but maybe because this is the like expanded edition that it's right it's this annoying i don't know i just really liked the album haunted mm-hmm. like a lot and yeah. i don't know if rob's listening i know i know mm-hmm. brian's listened to it yeah. it's it's yeah. an amazing album one it's, of the best yeah albums it's really good it's it's top 10 for me for sure and yeah. it's a great concept album as well mm-hmm. because interspersed with the music is tapes of her recently deceased father, and I guess Mark's father as well. And uh, it sort of has a lot of parallels with House of Leaves, except it's a lot better. A lot easier <laughs> well, does, to get Doesn't into. Mark also read his father's stuff? Like, isn't that part of it? Or he reads an excerpt of House of Leaves in the... Like, there's, there's a male voice there's, at one point from what well, I remember. Well, that's her dad. It, the one with the accent is her dad. And anything else, I think, is Mark. There's, I mean, there's right. a song called The Five and a Half Minute Hallway, right? Yeah. There's okay. uh, Exploration B, uh, not, yeah. not three, four, or five, or whatever, like it is in the book. But a lot of the stuff, a lot of parallels. But again, 
a lot more entertaining than the book. Yeah. Although the book is kind of entertaining, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. So very quickly, Mark uh, Danielowski uh, went to Yale. I think that's a very important thing. So firstly, he was born in March 1966, went to Yale, got a degree in English lit, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> and then, of course, he also um, did his grad studies at USC in Los Angeles, uh, where he uh, was involved in a documentary about Jacques Derrida. And I hate this. I hate knowing this. Like, this was part of the classes I had to take in university. But, like, so Derrida, and I think this helps inform the entire book itself. So Derrida is a big fan of deconstruction, right? Where one mm-hmm. piece of something can have, like, multiple meanings. So very postmodern. Rob and I were just privately, and then as a group, we talked about how much we um, dislike postmodernist art in certain ways which we'll get to in a a little bit when we talk about the book itself but i thought it was a really interesting lens by which to view how he then started writing house of leaves right so how house of leaves i'm holding it up here it is a book i don't know if you noticed this but uh in the expanded edition the cover um jacket is a little bit shorter than the the insert here and done on purpose i don't know if it's a quarter inch or not i didn't measure it um but basically it's about this guy right this guy named johnny truett this guy named johnny truett who's a true degenerate not and he's uh, he's uh, Angry Johnny from Poe's first album. There you go, right? And Poe's first album came out even before that. 95, yeah. Yeah. And so Johnny Troon is this guy who has a friend named Lude who um, lets him know that his old neighbor is dying because Johnny's looking for a place to live. And so Zampano is uh, the writer of the book that Johnny finds a manuscript of. Yeah, and he's the writer of a book about a movie, and he's blind. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Zephan is an old man who has disappeared. He's died. He's 80 years old. He disappears. And he writes extensively about something called the Navidson Record, um, which is about Will Navidson, his partner, Karen. So, it's funny, because I've watched a lot of videos, and everyone's like, oh, they're the like wife and husband. No, they were just partners. And if you right. paid real attention to the book, you'd notice that, Yeah, um, which I find very telling. And we'll talk about why I think... The word um, husband and wife gets thrown around a lot, and it has to do with nobody's actually read the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced. We'll talk about that later. But I'm convinced that a lot of the stuff we see online isn't actually there. And uh, how they discover that their newly bought house in Virginia is actually larger on the inside than on the outside. So there's two different kinds of TARDIS. things going on, right? Yeah. Yeah. TARDIS. I was going to say, they accidentally <laughs> bought the of TARDIS. Course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. It's, um, um, it's, it's what I would call an emotional TARDIS. There we go. Mm-hmm. You know what? Done. I love that. And so the entire here, uh, like I'm kind of rubbing the book cover here, hoping that it'll give me some inspiration for some um, greater purpose or points, uh, but it is not. And so basically this entire book is written in a series of very dense academic literature to start with by Zampano about the Navidson record, which has a mixture of mostly fake footnotes from sources, which are his own, in Times New Roman. And then Johnny Truant's kind of like narrative arc going on in Courier New and Rob and I were talking about how much we hate Courier New as a font even (laughs) like when there were more limited fonts to use not a good font and then of course there are editors right so there are three different conversations happening so bottom up is uh, at the bottom is kind of the editor well no let's put the reader no let's do the editor the editor is at the bottom then it's Johnny Truant just kind of popping off then it's Zampano and then it is us and all of this together in a sandwich yeah and then don't forget in the appendix there's or appendices there's letters from his mom yeah johnny yes. Truman's mother yeah and so rob and i were talking about how they got spun out into its own smaller book too mm-hmm. yes so that so did mom, not exist yeah. when i read the book initially so his mom pelafina right so the, the, the entire idea here is this like descent into madness 
that happens as the Nameson record reveals that uh, they then... So the Nameson's bring in this guy, Holloway, Holloway Roberts, who's like a... Like a hunter, uh, an explorer. Is he? Is he basically like Bear Grylls, sort of? Like a proto Bear Grylls. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like, yeah, less friendly though. Yeah. And so they start a number of excursions into the house that is larger and larger and larger as it continues to expand. Um, and then once in a while, it gets mad at people and it groans and just. So basically, it's like the destruction of the house from the inside out. Kind of happens like that old um, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode. Yeah. Yes. Where the house disappears, and then... Um, I mean, it, it escalates really quickly, right? It goes from them being away a weekend, finding a weird space between two doors, yeah. then measuring the house, realizing it's a quarter of an inch longer, getting all kinds of people to come and check and talk about this. Actually, they went to one specific expert, right, who yeah. said they so, were making a mistake. So, yeah, so uh, uh, Tom Davidson, so Will's brother, gets brought in first. They measure the house, like, oh, this is weird. So then they go visit Billy Reston, who is a, an engineering professor, who's also a paraplegic, who magically enough, you know, it's hard for him to get upstairs and things like that. But he also realizes that it's actually like, what is it? It's like not a quarter of an inch. It's like five sixteenths or whatever yeah. at first, right? And then it just gets weirder and weirder from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's like a, a whole bunch of stories that are sort of interwoven that go on. And the book... Is very dense academic literature and then afterwards breaks through to like weird forms, right? So um, the book is like laid out very creatively. I'll give it that. And, uh, you know, it's like different pages with like you have to turn it upside down. You kind of have to read with the slant. You kind of have to take a look at different um, things. There's like circles. There's a lot of really interesting visual stuff that is going on with a book. And I want to know what page number did you give up on? 28. I got well into the (laughs) – oh, my God. Yeah, I got well into the hundreds. Uh, basically where the things started falling apart with Holloway's group and they had found the grand staircase and all that yes. stuff and they were yeah. start, kind of stuck inside and that's where I kind of like, this is just, it just keeps going. I started skipping Johnny's stuff and my daughter saw the book and she was, and I told her, oh yeah, it's about a house that's bigger on the inside and outside. That like hooked her she really wanted to read this book but as i've read the book i realized this is not for a 14 year old to read i mean it could it would just huge be bored more than outraged right yeah there's a lot of overtly like violent sexual stuff in there as well that i would you rather she learn it at home or out no but i also don't want to be the dad that gives a child this book like if she read it on her own whatever but it's like it's just like for example i recently watched the the movie um thrill killer what's a thriller killer what's it called Hold on, let me let me see if I can remember. Well, he Googles. So, Rob, essentially, you're outside of this house. You're outside of the Navidson house. I am outside, Angelo's, yeah. Angelo's kind of in the kitchen. I think yes. I'm in the basement, based on the fact that I stopped at 491. Um, and I could not suffer through anymore. Mm, that's fair. That's completely fair. So we're all in different degrees of the house. It's going to eat us all, like, in different ways. Let's not get it wrong. Because at the end, spoiler, of course, um, they skip the house, but then Tom, the brother, dies outside of the house. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, this weird kind of, like... Stuff that happens. Anyways, Angela, are you done typing? Uh, hold on. Rob, how you doing? Uh, I'm, we wait for this I'm, like I'm great. I am. Yeah. Uh, so great. talk to me about the biggest gripe you have with this book, because I know you have several. So let's, talk, let's like list them off and talk about them. So I think first and foremost, the, the one thing that you really have to get into is just like the hardness of this book is... One, Johnny Truant himself and his mm-hmm. narrative that is introduced into this thing, because 
throughout most of it, his narrative doesn't really add anything. Like, it's kind of his descent into madness in his own way, and it's just when his story is being explored through the footnotes, um, they go on for pages. It's brutal. It's just... And, and I think like I agree. The, it's really hard to read. Yeah, it, it's really hard to read. And and the problem that I find with like most people talking about this book is that you can tell that they have to frame it in other ways in order to read it. So like you know the the Navits and stuff, it gets broken down as oh well that's satire. It's like if it's not overtly satire then it's not satire like you could sit there and say oh, oh he like mark daniel Lusky, uh, could come up and say oh well it's a satire it's like no you could tell when you're reading as fucking satire because i've read plenty of satires there is a ridiculous element to them which this doesn't really have um so, so i think it's really interesting that you talk about that because um ergodic literature right the idea mm-hmm. of like things that are hard to read on purpose yeah is one thing and it's kind of interesting because i was doing some research on that and actually the term ergodic reading meaning something difficult to read on purpose comes from actually like a, a, something from like 1997 which is like a uh, a text by this person, Esbeth Ersef, yeah. who basically in a text called Cybertext just talked about how hard things are to read and then gave several examples, including um, uh, things like nascent websites that had like, if you hovered your mouse over something, like the word would change. And, yeah. like that. and I found a couple of websites to play around with it. But that is not the case here. So people make the density argument all the time. Right. You know, like, listen, like, um, the Zampano stuff, the very dry academic literature stuff is like a satire on like academic writing. Sure. But then right at the beginning, Johnny is like, I don't think this movie exists. I'm not sure. And then two, most of these sources are made up. So like that is two strikes that lost me already, right? Yeah. So that's just, you know. Um, I do believe in an unsympathetic narrator. I do believe, Rob, you know, I, uh, we talked about Tampa a couple of months ago, the novel Tampa by yeah. Alyssa something here. Um, uh, nothing. Uh, yeah. That's it. Alyssa nothing, right? Where it's basically like a gender-swapped Lolita. Yes. And, like, so this character is unsympathetic, but it creates a compelling narrative within the story to find out how it's going to end. Yes. Yeah. Versus, like, there's not enough to hook me on Johnny Truant in the first 300 pages that I care about. I love unsympathetic characters, but someone who just is a tattoo artist who, like, or not even a tattoo artist, like a, a tattoo protege, is, like, going around banging random women that Zampano got to, like, read and write for him is not a very compelling story to it's, me. Like, no. I'm... No, it's not. And, like, you need to be able, like, regardless of whatever kind of novel that you're trying to read, you have to be able to relate to the characters in some way. And yeah. you can't. There's really nothing to uh, relate to in these stories. Like, I hate to say it, but there's a little more to relate to in Infinite Jest than there is in, in this book. <laughs> and I hate saying that because I hate Infinite Jest. It's, uh, again, it's... It's kind of ergodic, but it's not. It's just, yeah. like, really dense writing. It's more sprawling than, yes. like, ergodic almost, right? Because there's a lot of text in general, but it's not, like, dense academic literature. Like, at one point, he lists off yeah. different photographers that are palindromes for, like, two to three pages in footnotes. And it's just, like, I get it. Like, 
Daniel Lewski gets to use Quark Express. Shouts out to Quark Express. I, I don't know if any of you ever did any uh, design. So before uh, Adobe's InDesign existed, this was kind of like the the go-to that I learned on when laying out uh, my college newspaper. And it sucked ass. So, you know, um, not the greatest tool, but uh, Daniel Lewski is uh, doing his best with it. And I find it kind of interesting that the biggest problem with this is that it's trying to mimic the idea of the house that just keeps on growing by just giving more yeah. pieces of text. Right. But like the first hundred pages, like everyone says like the first hundred pages is a slog to get through. And then afterwards it never got any easier and it never yeah. got more joyful. Right. 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 You can like, Angela, how did you good... feel about any of this? Like when reading this, did you feel any joyfulness? Well, most of the time reading it, I kept wondering why the hell I liked it so much. There were th- parts of it. I did remember. And I remember not liking Johnny. But yeah. I do remember finding the stuff in the 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 Davidson record really compelling. If it was as a story and as a, mm-hmm. as a horror thing, mm-hmm. uh, Rob sent me a well. He linked this to a video uh, by uh, by Katie Colson, and she mentioned spatial horror. I don't know if she's coined that or if or if if something she came up with mm-hmm. or if it's a, a term that you've heard. Or either of you have heard, but I thought it was apt for this. It's it's how you know you open up a door and there should be the garden outside, and all of a sudden you're in an empty black room. That is pretty terrifying. There's some yeah. good horror in here. It's just the way it's written is so dense and not really fun to get through. By the way, the movie I was thinking of is totally killer with uh, Kiernan Shipka from. Oh Mad right, Men. the Netflix is it's a Netflix. It's a, um, it's Prime. Or whatever, yeah. Yeah. It's a and streaming it's, horror yeah, movie. Yeah, and it's, like, basically made for my kid because of what, what it involves instead of, like, the, the how fun it is. But there's way too much, like, sexual innuendo that I'm like, you can watch it with your friends. It's not a movie you watch with your dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you're letting her do that and explore. Yeah, her, because of whatever. I mean, she probably hears right. worse stuff at school, but it's, def- yeah, right. it's definitely not something I would want to watch with my own kid. Yeah. Like, it would be yeah. cringe central. Yeah. yeah. Are there okay? So, so same thing forward, for this book. That's the yeah. connection there, right? So that is your silver lining, I think. Right? There's a very compelling narrative that is buried under three other, two other layers. Definitely. Of the there, like, like I would watch, bothersome. I would watch a found footage horror movie about a house like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If it was good, if it was like, uh, like you know, VHS two quality. Some of the <laughs> some of the anthologies in that. I still right? need to watch the new one. I keep forgetting. But yes. But um, yeah, so it, that that stuff is actually really creepy. Yeah. So for me, like what I was talking about earlier is like the idea here that like uh, Johnny Chun comes out and he says like this might not exist. I couldn't find anything that you know mentioned that it exists. But yet there's all this fake literature that exists around it too. So that was an immediate turnoff to me because I think my brain is like a little poison where I start to question everything. Right. So for example, Johnny Chun suddenly is like a savant in all these different things in his footnotes when he right. like talks about the footnotes. That Zampano's leaving. Like, I found it very interesting that, like, we don't talk about his educational background. We don't know much about him. But suddenly he is well-versed in all of these different things. And the timeline's not quite clear about over how long of a period he sat down and done this, right? So I don't want to be, um, you know, uh, intelligence shaming or something. But it just, it seems, like, off-character for this, like, tattoo artist who's, like, obsessed with, like, banging and drugs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, to suddenly know all of these, like, very niche things that usually take a lot of education to get into. And even if you talk to someone, it isn't necessarily the case of like learning by osmosis. Like you're not going to touch someone and learn about Latin literature and it's all its ins and outs necessarily. Especially like at, at what point do you learn that he, yeah. that he left his uh, foster homes and stuff and went to get on like a grad grad degree and decided to just go into t- a tattoo artistry or 
yeah. no, right? Like you don't learn any of that. It's just he didn't do anything. He has no education, right? Yeah. What were you saying, Rob? Uh, well, it's that also like you know for the time period, like the it, it's not like he's using the internet, you know, like uh, yeah. uh, so like you're either having to hunt libraries or whatever, which uh, you know, kind of like I th- I think one of the most interesting theories that I heard. Uh, about this book is that you know the, the person responsible for it the the real the real author is Johnny's mom you know which which feels yeah. plausible to me because of like um just in the way that Johnny does seem to know more things without really getting into how he knows more things and, yeah exactly and that, stuff that like was that. a big problem like a, yeah that's what i was saying i had a big problem with that kind of concept of like how does he know these things and like mm-hmm. once again like he could have spent time doing this but there's no like no established time frame by which like any of this is kind of like discussed right so it yeah. seems very like suspect to me that like in order for us to buy into this book we have to buy into an unsympathetic narrator that we actually don't care about and i think that's the big difference right like we were saying before like i can care about an anti-hero i can care about a bad person but like to move the plot forward and just it takes so much time and i get it once again like it's the form of the book right mm-hmm. it's the form it's supposed to beat you down yeah um but even that like i needed a more compelling reason to continue the trek yeah are there interesting things about this book yeah uh, i'm sure I, I you know again i only made it 28 pages in but i uh <laughs> i supplemented my lack of reading this book with just like consuming youtube content and uh other websites and stuff like that and my main and my biggest gripe of all with this book is that it it you have to be obsessed with this book in order to read it. Like that's that's the number one thing that I, I come away with. And like, yeah, some of the the that one link that I included of that uh, of one woman just like going into madness because of how frustrating this book is. And like, I don't think a book being frustrated and requiring this level of obsession makes it good. It doesn't. No. Um, at the center of it, it's not even a haunted house story. It's a love story. It's a story of like a house that isn't haunted, but a bunch of people that are, and like a, a, Mm. a house that can, kind of amplify that that that's what it you get to like at the end of this thing you know in their story well i think that's one thing that we forgot to mention early on is that will and karen are having disagreements they're not getting along Mm -hmm. will's been on the road he's a world famous photographer who like finally like wants that karen's like you need to settle down or i'm leaving you yeah and i'm probably gonna take the kids and so they buy this place in virginia is kind of like a compromise and there's a lot of tension between the two she ends up kissing one of Holloway's men, right? One of the explorers at one point. So yeah. it's just like, it's a hodgepodge of things. And then at the end they reconcile and they move away with the kids and stuff. But it's, it is a love story that is so far sidetracked. And yeah. I get people like the love story at the core. I get that. But there is so much noise around the love story. Also, There's so much noise around each narrative yeah. that it becomes tricky to read. Once again, not because it's ergodic, but because it's just, I don't want to say like poorly written, but like, conceptually the characterizations don't leave me interested enough to continue not not only that but he writes women really badly like terribly badly yeah (laughs) yeah there's definitely that too right that's another issue Um, is he hiding behind the fact that he's not the one writing them though right like it's he's (laughs) 
he's putting that on Zampano oh, and, oh, of course. Yeah, and yeah, Johnny yeah, Truant, yeah, right? Like, the straw man argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah three like Spider-Man's pointing at each other. Yeah, he can get away from it. I think it's literally it. It's the three Spider-Man's pointing at each other. Johnny Truant, Zampano, and Daniel Lewis. Yeah, yeah. And the editor's kind of in the background, maybe like an Electro or something. He's J.J. Uh, Jameson. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's such a it's such an interesting hodgepodge. And I, I, I get why people get attached to it right i understand the subversiveness of it i understand that it's like outsider literature that isn't like a well-told neatly you know um uh, laid out narrative like i am fully on board with certain aspects of that but this is not a good example of that necessarily either where it's just like a lot of people make excuses for the book too i find in the the yes. sort of like the critical appraisal or reappraisal and it's just it's very odd to me and i think this is what i said at the beginning too is like i watched a couple of youtube critiques like positive critiques because i'm all about that like know your enemy kind of like line of like pop culture of like trying to understand where someone else is coming from and like literally the way that some of these people talk about the book it's like they haven't read the book at all yeah yeah no. at all and it's like it's very strange to me um to watch some people who like i guess just wanted to create a a video that like had a topic that like is eternally interesting to people um maybe without putting the work in and there's a lot of work involved because mm-hmm. if you really want to get the most out of this book, you're going to be like notating things, putting some post-it notes yeah. in there, like marking yeah. pages off, yeah. highlighting things. Uh, yeah, that's not the type of book. And at this point in my life, it's not the type of book I'm looking for. It's too much work. I don't feel like Hardy being Boys? in school. Hardy Boys? Nice and easy. Yeah. 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 Some good babysitter's club. I was going to say Hardy Boys, babysitter's club. Like you're, you're probably well surrounded with that in your house, right? So like, yeah. I think that like... You're probably doing it up big style. Yeah. So apparently there's a female ghost in this apartment building who thinks I'm attractive. <laughs> Double density. It's just, it's just, you know, it get this book gave me nightmares, but not because of the house. It's because of the footnotes. So just footnote upon footnote. And when you go to a page and there's a footnote for a footnote that then has another footnote, that's a translation of that footnote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gets, it gets tedious. Yeah. Yeah. And like, these are the worst editors of all time. Let's be honest here. Like, let's just, let's just make it super clear. The worst editors of all time as characters. Like if I showed this to an actual book editor, they, they would not be happy with it. And I'm talking about the book within the book, not the actual, text itself as it exists in a physical form but i'm talking about if johnny Trune shows up and also like it, it so the editors are in contact with johnny Trune, right so that's the weird thing too is i don't understand the time frame in that either where the manuscript gets delivered and then they ask him questions like it's just it seems very weird and then some of the more interesting stuff is like the um this is like a quote-unquote like fully colorized version of the book right so whenever the word house appears it's in blue and then any kind of like mention of the minotaur like so they talk about the concept of the minotaur right the guy who's like guarding the <laughs> maze or labyrinth yeah. right and then that's all gets crossed out slowly but surely in red and i don't think that the color added much to the book to be very honest with you no no it didn't um angela's scratching the back of his neck he's just sad. no no i i'm i have a migraine because of my neck so uh, oh, cause cause i'm just trying to, right you know, yeah because no, like let's yeah, yeah. so take this out of heavy, the show just i'm trying to yeah but now I've been dealing with neck pain for two weeks, so I'm just trying to like mm. rub it out. <laughs> Rob, you I you you put up a very interesting quote from the Katie Colson. Yes, I, I wanted to read that to you. Yeah, so I want you I want you to go ahead and, and dive into it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
quote, this book was written for white men who love to tell you how much their reading taste is superior to yours and how you just read chiclet and how you read things that aren't fun and aren't like intelligent. Oh, that's what you read. That's not real reading. And that's, <laughs> that's exactly yeah. what this is. Yeah. And like, yeah. um, there's that the worst part is i know we're crushing desdemona's heart because she loves this book yeah. but i would love to hear from her after this episode like and not like in an adversarial way like i would love to hear about what truly interests her about this book because i'm i'm open to hearing about it like just because i've made my decision on this i'm i love to watch others love things right right that aren't harmful to me a book existing like this is not harmful to me right so i want to hear um how she or if anyone else hey like listen if you sat down and read house of leaves and like loved it i want to like angela and i and rob mm-hmm. i'm gonna rope rob in too i'm gonna send him all the emails and stuff but like tell us why you enjoy this book so i'm i'm very very curious about this because there are i think as angela was saying like there are like way better ways to like spend your time with things that are equally as fulfilling and quote-unquote like intelligent and you know like like it don't require to you to make an excuse for the book like yeah don't yeah, yeah. if you have to make uh, like this is just my gauge but if you have to make excuses for a book it's not good it's just not yeah. and like yeah. and that's okay if you like something that is bad uh and, I, and i'm not gonna objectively say oh this is this is the work you know the worst uh you know book ever i i don't mm-hmm. think it is i think no. there is a lot of thought that went into it i just think that the way that it is designed is just incredibly pretentious. Like it is someone who is, you know, trying to be smart about things. Again, when you get into postmodern literature, the, the worst books are the ones written by people who are trying to just kind of upstage what literature can be. Yeah. Um, or like trying to make a statement with a capital S. And it's funny because mm-hmm. I literally want to talk about the concept of, of postmodern literature like mm-hmm. right now. So this is like actually you just segued into this properly. So, yeah. so hit me with some thoughts about, you know, um, postmodernism. I guess like to people who don't know what it is, basically it's like meaning is derived from the reader too. So it's not just mm-hmm. empirically speaking, an author puts something out and it is supposed to be read and understood in one way. But like in this way, meaning is like created with every single instance of someone else interacting with it too. So, and both are equally as valid in most potter, postmodernist theory. And I hate that I fucking know that. And I hate that my brain is rotting. And I hate that I think about things like semiotics, which is how we understand each right. other, signs and symbols. Right. But this is the world that my brain lives in. And I think when I read this book, it makes my brain mad. I think most of the time what it comes down to is writers engineering a book. Not writing a book, but engineering, yeah, no, 100%, 100%. engineering a book to be something that it's never been before or something that um, is designed... like with difficulty in mind to the to the yeah. point where uh you assign you know you you allow the reader to assign meaning but the problem then becomes that it's almost impossible in certain cases to assign meaning i think one of the reasons yeah. why infinite jest still continues to entertain this space as being a work of genius is because it largely deals with mental health. And I think that's Mm -hmm. like the enduring legacy of that book. Um, Footnotes are what are, they're not even footnotes, they're endnotes, but like the endnotes are what, what they are to that book. And I get it. And you kind of get like something very similar to this. Um, 
and and we'll get into the when we get into the recommendation section I will recommend one <laughs> book that I think uh does that extremely well it's not right. necessarily ergodic literature but it's very close yeah. i would say but um yeah it, it's just like the idea that you have to engineer a novel and like not every single postmodernist writer engineers a novel like uh, brian and i we are going to be reading uh don delillo's white noise and you know that is considered a postmodern novel and it's a lot more palatable than anything else it's mm. just what makes it postmodern is, um, from what I understand, it's the critique of the critique mm-hmm. of different American ideals, and also just yes. a plain critique of American ideals too at the same time. Yes. So that is to me very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about and maybe um, the difference between postmodernism and ambiguity, right? Because I think a lot mm-hmm. of people kind of mistake one and the other, right? So ambiguity is like not knowing how something ends, versus like um, postmodernism, which like forces you to like think and figure out and form your own opinion sometimes. And I think um, I like opaque literature. I mm-hmm. like ambiguity. I like those things. And I feel like they are much better tools to use instead of strict postmodernism. Cause if you don't do it well, you're just giving people like a mess of words that they need to like figure out on their own Yeah, um, in a way that's like frustrating, but not in a constructive kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, Again, it's the idea of style over substance that... Yeah. You, like, this book is totally style. Like, yeah. literal physical layout style. Yes. Like, form. I loved the way this book looked in certain ways. Yeah, no. Like, like some of the pages that I didn't get to that are, like, a, like a sentence long or whatever, I love those portions of the book. I will, but, s- I will say, like, the one thing that I will say about this book, it is probably the most fun book to flip through. Exactly. Exactly. None. Um, 100%. Uh, so, Angela, how did you feel about the look of the book? I'm kind of curious on your end. Like, I feel like it's... I don't know if I saw this somewhere or someone mentioned it in one of the YouTube videos, but it feels like the book itself is a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where you can go through it and just kind of pick a few pages to thumb through and read the weird stuff it says or look at some of the weird pictures because there are some layouts of the house within the book that you can see. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another, it's another reason why this is not a, the type of book that's meant for other kinds of media, right? You can't yeah. even make an audio book out of this thing. No, no. I think the only way it would work is a conceptual TV series or mini series. And even then you'd have to like figure out what that looks like. Actually, when you were talking, Rob, I was just thinking like, so Grady Hendrix, the American author who wrote my best friend's exorcism mm-hmm. before that, put out a book called horror store. Yes. Yeah. Um, which looks like an Ikea manual in and out. And in certain places it reads like one a little bit. And I is once again, like it was a pleasure to read that book, but the actual story lent itself well to the form and vice versa. Yes. And it each felt like there was a reason for them to exist in harmony, which I very much found myself lacking in this, in that, like you were saying, like it's a beautiful book to flip through, Mm -hmm. but in order to attach meaning to that work, you need to do all this work to get to that point and then still be interested enough to be like, Oh, that is interesting. Plus, plus, plus. Yeah. Like, uh, there was a, uh, youtube video that i sent your guys way called man it's by a guy goes by man carrying things and it's called why is the internet obsessed with this book and the one great point that he makes is that this book people will people enjoy more hearing about it than they do reading it Mm -hmm. which is which is 
more fascinating to me than the actual fucking book itself. <laughs> because, like, you know, the idea that uh, with the way that internet culture is and the way that we consume um, certain forms of media, there are, like, certain things like... Um, you know, I'll, I'll go see, watch a YouTube video about like a book or, or something like that. Or like, you know, even if we are walking watching like speed runs of video games, it suddenly becomes more entertaining than actually playing the game itself. And that, that is one of the most fascinating things to me about the internet and how we consume it is how yeah. it kind of, at the secondary source yes. kind of replaces the primary. And the funny thing about that is I feel that is how I judge this book in that I got more out of the secondary sources than the actual book itself mm-hmm. versus like in your speedrun example like you wouldn't mind playing super mario you know mm-hmm. uh world and running it yes versus like i don't want to read this book before right. i'm done with it yeah right you know so like i think there's like a, 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 like an interesting question of degrees that you're talking about too of like i really want to invest myself like i love this i it sparked me to go try something versus like mm-hmm. this sucks this sucks and i'd rather tell hear other people tell me about it which is kind of funny like and i hate this and i'm sorry guys like my brain's just like soaked in this all day so um there is uh marshall McLuhan, right so the canadian philosopher talked about how at one point the oral history or like the oral tradition of like telling stories will come back and when you were talking rob i I, that's what i was thinking about because so with daniel lewski being like this like guy who's like super into jared at the time and who's like you know like and he was anti what marshall mccullin was saying he's like no we need to write everything down everyone else yeah um but i i actually think in this instance the more interesting thing is the oral tradition is the hearing other people talk about this book yeah exactly like that uh, i mean Think about podcasts, this medium itself that we are presenting to people. Like, we're literally people talking about a thing that, you know, maybe people will check out, but, like, they're here to hear you talk about a thing. You know, like, that's what drives people to consume what you create. So, like, yeah, yeah, like, that that makes a lot of sense, and especially since, like, yeah, like, this oral tradition, uh, great, great example here um and 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 i didn't tell you about this when i was uh regaling you with my night of drunkenness uh on friday <laughs> but um one thing that i did it's like it's, it's sometimes it's just great to meet you know strangers in a bar because they're generally you know cool and shit um but i hate to say this rob yeah. and because like we're talking about this but it's kind of like the single use yeah friend or whatever like the concept from fight club of yes. a single use person yeah and like i hate i hate that because that's another titan of like mm-hmm. i know more literature than you by people who actually don't know literature but it it, it kind of fits a mold and i know exactly the type of encounter you have or like it's one context and that's probably gonna yeah. be it yeah exactly but uh the one thing that so I, you're you're okay you're at the bar yeah you're slamming some brews and i start talking about aliens and you know me when i start talking about aliens <laughs> people will listen they may not believe what i'm saying but people will listen and it got to the point where there were people literally taking bar stools and pushing them over listening to the crazy stuff i was saying because i'm like these are actual stories that have been printed in journals that i have read i am not messing with you they just sound very weird but like yeah that oral tradition it continues on yep there it is yeah yep. there it is right there right mm-hmm. and i often like to just, like i often describe like especially a paranormal podcast like just it's like an advanced more research way of like telling campfire stories yes. right? at the end of the day that's how i feel like we're creating a tradition here um you know 
Angela and I will be the first to admit that like we're not the best world's best podcasters or anything, but like we like to think that like we are offering our style of stories too, and mm-hmm. like you do the same thing right. through your endeavors too. Where like you want to tell these campfire stories to people, obviously with like data and research and anecdotes and quotes, uh, you know, a little more structured than just like talking about the you know who is phone kind of You're right. uh, <laughs> story. But like I, fundamentally, that's what it is, right? It's just uh, we're sharing experiences, we're sharing things that we filtered through to other people that then will then who knows what happens in that conversation, Rob, that you have with those people someone else may have another conversation with someone else about something that you said right which is kind of super interesting to me oh yeah and like uh, one of them was like wait you have a podcast i want to listen to it and he just like saved it in his phone which is which is great yeah um yeah so i have one question for you brian since you're you're like the the probably the biggest cinephile of all of us <laughs> what by far <laughs> yeah. uh what film do you think deserves treatment like this book? Like in in terms of the obsession, so like, just over like it, the reverse what film. Do you think? Oh, could I see. Like that? what filmic property? That's a really good yeah. question. Um, because are we judging it through like uh critical acclaim or through like word of mouth through the public kind of fame? I think. Like, are we? I think we're talking about like in the Zeitgeist or like like oh, all of these Oscars have been no Zeitgeisty, Zeitgeisty, and I think okay. like you know, Room Two Thirty Seven is a great example of like. <laughs> That kind of so thinking. to people who don't know that Rob, would you describe what it is? Because we watched it for the show. Yeah, so Room Two Thirty Seven. It's it's a documentary uh, about yeah. the film The Shining, and it goes into a lot of different um, conspiracy theories that that people have, including the one and only John Hoke. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> who is in it? Um, and like, uh, there are definitely other people who are recognizable <laughs> from the show, The Nostradamus Effect. There are actually a couple of people from that, which is an old History Channel show that uh, debuted in 2012, and it kind of like you know, it was one of those shows that people were capitalizing on the uh, Maya. Well, they had a limited stuff. time, yeah, of, of, like a window of time in order to capitalize on the 2012 mm-hmm. Mayan calendar issue right yeah um and to add to that the funny thing about that movie is how it tries to quote unquote like decode several narratives yes. that aren't there like one of them my favorite one of course is like how <laughs> kubrick engineered the false moon landing yes. and revealed the truth in secret through all these things in the shining yes and like like they go into like how it's laid out in the carpet this sweater yeah. that danny's wearing yeah. and everything yeah it's it's and then amazing. like they talk about the different the way that the the overlook hotel is like laid out conceptually in the movie and if you drew it it makes no sense and yeah. all this like other like inane stuff that people have like good for them like that's all i say that is their campfire story to tell yeah it's, like it's i'd rather funny, yeah. i'd rather spend time talking about things a little less oblique and uh you know um concepts that I, I i don't spend my time dreaming up yeah people love to read into things it yeah it always it brings me back to uh like i guess late 90s when the second rlad piece album came out and the song superman's dead uh, you didn't even name the album the, angelo is it clumsy the name of the album it's clumsy, yeah. yeah it's clumsy right and uh, superman's dead was the first hit off the album and there was a question and answer period after a, a performance and i'm pretty sure john stewart was the host of that for some reason so pre john stewart being john stewart well, was he, he wasn't he hosting like a comedy central show yeah maybe it was that anyway early piece was on some young lady comes up and uh has a question about superman's dead and she says uh, to rain Maida, i know it's based on nietzsche's principles uh what are your thoughts on this and rain Maida says um 
Yeah, that makes me sound pretty smart. Uh, so yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> but it's actually about Superman dying in the comics, <laughs> right? So, so, yeah, like, so people, John Stewart had so, a show on MTV for two years from '93 to '95, uh, which doesn't so, make sense, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Clumsy came out here. I'm going to keep digging. Okay. Anyway, I haven't been able to find that find this interview anywhere. So I remember hearing it on Shome, which is our local rock station. Which do you even get that far down? Rob, do you no. get Shome over there? Like, we get, do we get the bus? You'd have to drive to Plattsburgh where we met yeah. and hung out in order okay. to start getting it. Yeah. And okay. the weird thing is, they hired Picard, who's the old um, programming director from oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Buzz, to like run Shome. Yep. And so there's like a, a buzzification of like, oh, they're playing Lincoln Park now, which like back in the day, Shome, very, like even just like 10 years ago, Shome was very much of the like tragically Classic. hip. Yeah. ACDC, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, like all of those kind of like trying to, now I think it's like too little too late. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of like trying to get younger people on board with the music of the times. But, you know. Anyway, <laughs> so that's be besides it. the point. It's just, yeah. it was just like an example of how people really read into stuff. And then you approach the actual author of the work, and they're like, "No, man." Just, yeah, but once again, if we were all postmodernists, we'd argue that equal to both are equally as valid, right? Yeah, I guess, but that's annoying because intent intent changes the second that it escapes your brain or your clutches. <laughs> Look, I have nightmares like this about postmodernism. They so anger happy people that will read into our personalities based on this one yeah. episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also like uh especially if you're talking about like uh you know the tragically hip as an example um whenever Gord talked about his lyrics, he didn't really want to talk about the meaning. He's just like, it's in your hands now. You can take from it what you want. It's just like, and like, you know, I sent you that um, video. Yeah, long-haired younger Gord. Yeah, like, and he's like, he literally has to look at the lyrics to figure out what he was thinking when he, you know, wrote the song or wrote the lyrics to the song. So it's like, for him, like, meaning is obviously something different. I mean, I know that changed over time because they're like, uh he you know like if you want to get into like the 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 subtle genius of Gord Downey it's that uh especially in his early in the in the earlier songs he could like talk about two subjects at once which is not something a lot of um songwriters can do like um i think one of the best examples of that is uh, 50 Mission Cap because he's talking about. I was going to say yeah. literally about. Yeah. 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 Like uh, talking about like, uh, you know, this like hockey story that's kind of more infamous. Um, but it's also being told by a poser who has a hat yeah. that uh, <laughs> he um, <laughs> basically. Uh, um, uh, a mission cap, which is uh, the hats that bomber pilots would use when dropping bombs. And, like, you know, he talks about how he kind of, like, punches that cap and works it in um, to make it look yeah. like, you yeah, know, it's yeah. scene action. But, like, uh, yeah. What I love about Gordani is certain songs, the lyrics are just the vibes. And then there are others which are a little more um, story-based. Right. right? I think- and then there are some which do both, like 50 Mission Cap, right? Which I, th- I find that super interesting that, like... There are stories of like all like there are three archetypes that he worked with in his time, and I think he did them really yeah. well. Um, and that like some of the stuff like you're saying, like you know, it's like like Bill Barico or whatever. I can't Bill Barico, yeah. name, yeah. But the idea there of like that one level, and then it's like trying to pose by like acting tough and like trying to wear the uniform of a tough man, yeah. and then like just the vibes of the lyrics. Too. Yeah, exactly. I think 
I think the most extreme version of that is nautical disaster because like he's literally talking about the sinking of the Lusitania, but he's also talking about a woman that he broke up with, which is very strange. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Metaphors, similes, um, textual analysis from real analysis. Um, Angela, do you have any favorite kind of like meta text or like meta pieces of narrative that like you get to make up your mind about? Not really. It, it, this yeah. is not the type of book I like to read anymore. But I just mean, like, in general, like, oh, like, you know, like, music-wise, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is there an album that, like, th- while there may be, like, a quote-unquote, like, definitive empirical way in which the band wants you to see it, you're kind of, like, take it another way? Not really, actually. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head, unfortunately. So, I would say no, but I'm pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I have, I have, like, look, I have nightmares about finding meaning in things because don't forget i did an art history degree and most of that is like looking for we should have leaned into and, that hard angelo yeah. through what lens uh, are we viewing house of leaves in a in an art history kind of way i it's he's like sweating yeah, yeah, he's got no, the single like manga anime tier yeah i can that someone gets i can't imagine oh. going back to school and working on like this type of like this is the text for the semester yeah. you have to like tease out. I would love to know how many how it. many syllabuses syllabi include this book. And before I forget, uh, I think it was you, Rob, who's asking like spatial horror. And I actually have a really interesting answer for that, and that is uh, manga artist Junji Ito, who's done like Tomie oh, and yeah, yeah. Gyu and things like that. And, like he does that really well. Like there's a lot of weird stuff in his stories that feel in this dimension. Like some of it is cosmic horror, um, but some of it's like that that kind of like the same story of the Nazi record, where it's like, oh, there's like a door here, and suddenly yeah. the door is gone, and now it's like a portal to hell. I guess. Yeah. Like there's there's Fun. certain of his short stories that do that very very well. Um, so I would suggest that. But speaking of suggesting things, let us get into our recommendations of things we'd rather be doing, watching, seeing, listening to, hearing, um, discussing more so than House of Leaves. Mm. That's fair. So, Rob, you first. I'm very interested to hear about your list because I only know about three of these. Yeah, so um, if you want to dive into something that, you know, gets into the idea of, like, a piece of um, content that drives people crazy, The King in Yellow by Robert W. Chambers is kind of like one of the best examples. And my thing is go for the graphic novel because there is a graphic novel of it. Ooh, Um, I did not know there was a graphic novel. I would definitely pick that up. And the thing is, is like the way that the uh, artist uh, who is I.N.J. Colbert draws the people, it's it's unsettling in, in like just like... Oh, yeah, like the big eyes. Yes, big eyes, big heads. Yeah. Like, it, it, it unsettles you in a lot of different ways. And, like, uh, The King in Yellow is about this play that whenever people read it, bad things happen. And it's a series of short stories that was written by Robert W. Chambers back in the late 1800s. Uh, it's very, very interesting, though. And I, I definitely recommend it. If, like, the... um. If the 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 stories don't hit you, definitely check out the uh, graphic novel. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should do this one by one, though. Like mm-hmm. we'll each dev- like. So, Angela, I want you to talk about some of your recommendations. I we asked you today to come up with five things that you'd rather be doing than reading. This yeah, book. yeah. But then I also I saw you guys were recommending stuff, and I figured I'd also recommend some video games since you. Guys oh, that's a really good idea. Actually, okay. So books. hit me with it. So the first game on my list is Control. It's um, so there's an interesting connection here because it's the same people who made Alan Wake, which is uh, oh, yeah. a game that came out on Xbox and is now getting a sequel. 
And funny enough, on October 19th, um, Poe announced that she's doing a song for Alan Wake 2, which is really weird because she hasn't released anything in years. Uh, she was really only two albums and kind of got lost in the shuffle when Atlantic got bought out. So, uh, yeah, she's releasing a song on October 27th, so a couple of days ago as we recorded this, for Alan Wake 2 called This Road. But yeah, I Control... I movies. Oh, wait, uh, I wasn't finished. <laughs> I didn't really talk. I, I just said I was saying the connection of Control, but Control's a, a video game that's super weird where you control the... Uh, a new agent in this office that handles weird things that happen in the world. And this entire building that you're in shifts and moves and creates new corridors and has all kinds of interesting uh, connections to the world of Alan Wake and control. Really cool stuff. I highly recommend it. Currently what available on PlayStation, available? PlayStation, PC, and Xbox. Like the current, the current, the current yeah. It's okay. uh, and there's a there's a definitive edition that came out that's uh, optimized for 60 frames per second on PS5 and uh, PC and Xbox Series consoles. Very Perfect. good game. So, Rob, you asked me before about a movie, and this mm-hmm. is not part of my list of a movie that like you think people should House of Leaves out. Mm-hmm. Um, Pulp Fiction. Mm. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. There's a crassness to the movie that as I grow older, I am not attracted to. And that's not because I am aging, but I also recognize what is going on in the movie. Mm -hmm. That's a fair point. And it is. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But instead of watching Pulp Fiction, you should watch Cube, which is a 1997 Canadian science fiction movie where a bunch of people wake up in a room, a cube, have to escape. It's a fact. Is that that by Natale? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was one of his earlier movies, right? Yeah, this was like his first or second, I think. What a crazy movie. I remember watching that. Yeah. One of the, an early Netflix watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also did Splice with uh, Sarah Polly, which yes. I loved. And awkwardly enough, saw with my mother, even though it's kind of about procreation. <laughs> right, yeah. Which was like that's, weird. That's a definitely a weird um, one to see with yeah, your mother. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, yeah. It's fine. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I was like, I was like 21, 22 when it came out or whatever, so... Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Rob, book number two, hit me with it. So, uh, if you want to, you know, keep it weird and you want to dive into the UFO stuff, there's, uh, one of the most fascinating books you can get your hands on is the case for the UFO, uh, specifically the Varro edition, uh, by MK Jessup and MK Jessup was, uh, he wrote extensively about ufos and stuff throughout the 50s uh ultimately committed suicide in i think it was in 1959 um but the wild thing is is that um he originally published the case for the ufo in 1955 and a couple of years later a couple of navy i think it was in the navy um officers approached him saying that there were people uh, in the DOD that had been, like, marking up his book. And this manuscript gets out. <laughs> okay. And it, and it's called the, you know, it, it eventually it comes to be published under the Varro edition. And what it is is, like, it's the text of the book, but it's also, like, a combination that is happening back and forth between two people that are reading it. And uh, it's just utterly fascinating. And you can find... Um, um a, a similar example in uh it's a book called the ship of theseus it's uh 
J.J. Abrams and another guy who wrote it. It came out like oh, many years right. ago. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's got a kind of a similar vibe to that, only it's government officials basically trying to mess with a man. Um, but uh, yeah, if you can find the, the Varro edition, it's uh, it's a really interesting book to get your hands on and read. Do you know it's available digitally? I don't. I've never been able to find uh, a digital Google. copy. I'm kind of curious, yeah. But because if, might. if we have people... Because I I did I did purchase a used copy. Um, it is available digitally mm. on Amazon at least, so on the Kindle store. Yeah, so that is good news. And there's a free audiobook. I wonder who does the audiobook. Probably doesn't tell us who does. Oh, um, no, that doesn't say. It would be awesome if it was someone random but famous. Right. Oh, um, Jack Checkian. I have no idea who that is. Okay, cool. It, but there are options available out there because the book is in and out of print. It seems like. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's it's one of those ones that kind of goes in and out of uh print all the time. I know Gray Barker Saucerian published a in a version of it back in. Um. So it's yeah. The audiobook is narrated by yeah some guy I don't know. His name is Jack. <laughs> Uh, check it. I say check in. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. saying check in. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's. I don't think that's the Varro edition. So we cannot vouch for the audiobook, but no. we there's a there's a digital version available for your own perusal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Angelo, give us your second video game choice. What remains of Edith Finch? Have you? What is that? Either of you played that? I guess no. not. It's no. Sort no. of like a, a. It's kind of the genre that's called Walking Simulator. It came out in uh, 2017 on PS4, Xbox, and uh, Windows. I recently got it as part of PlayStation Plus, and it's a fascinating game because it's not traditional in terms of, you know, it's not, it's not a, a shooter. It's first person and stuff, but you're doing all kinds of things. It's like there's one sequence where you're playing the person's brother. So the, the whole thing about this is a, uh, a woman going back to her childhood home and reliving different parts of her past. So, for example, when you're playing her brother, you're, he's in a daze as he's working at the fishing, the fish cannery, and you're chopping up fish, doing your day job. But in the corner, you're actually living your day fantasy and you're playing a game of him being a king. Another one, the whole game turns into a comic book style thing mm-hmm. where you're playing, reliving a comic book. Really interesting game, and as you go along, you're basically playing how each of her relatives died. Okay, and so there's like uh, a familial connection there that kind of leads very to much. Story. So, uh, really, one of the few games where I felt emotional at the end. Yeah. So it's 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 that it's not the typical type of video game. Uh, another one of those games where uh, my daughter, who does not really play a lot of video games, fully got into it and really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so my second movie, and uh, keep in mind, everyone, if you want to look at this list, it's actually in the show notes, so that way you don't have to jot things down or, or ask yourself, what did he just say? So the second movie I am uh, choosing to select is La Jete by Chris Marker. It's a 28-minute experiential, experimental movie from uh, 1962, and it is the basis of the American version of uh, Told Monkeys, the movie. And it's essentially a very interesting time story, uh, time travel story told through stills, except there's like one piece of movement that you'll notice at one point if you're watching closely. Um, and that is a bit of a mind bender to try to understand the i found it was like a very interesting meta way of telling a story that even though like motion pictures had existed for decades at that point is still kind of striking and it it's interesting because like one of the things that i found um 
was like a silver lining. And some people talked about the way in which the House of Leaves book was laid out. That forces quick and slow reading, mm-hmm. which I found kind of interesting. And so this is a kind of movie that forces you to look at it in a certain way visually and sit down and kind of take it in. Yeah. And so I thought that was like an interesting kind of like um, of of connection between the two. What is your third book? Um, so, uh, one of my favorite authors who kind of doesn't live too far away from me is Jennifer McMahon and she writes like really great paranormal stories. And, and one of her most interesting books is a book called the invited. And it's essentially a haunted house story in which a couple buys a piece of property and builds their dream home. And in, in building their dream home, they become obsessed with the story of, these uh the this one woman whose story is like kind of like this haunting local legend so they decide to build their own haunted house like giving this <laughs> legend a place to live and it it makes for a really interesting book uh but uh all of uh Jennifer McMahon's um books are fantastic but this one is probably her most uh, interesting one um that I've read Awesome. Angela, what is your third video game? The Stanley Parable. Oh, of course, because you mentioned it before. Mm. Have you have you guys played this? No. Either I have not. I've watched other people play it, like Rob was talking about before mm. in his uh, speedrunning comment. I've watched people try to speedrun it. You know, I uh, thinking of that, I am always jealous of my kids being able to watch people play a video game because when I was a kid, you know, playing ColecoVision, I would wish there was a way I could watch people play video games on TV. So and, you weren't uh, breaking into people's homes to watch them play? Definitely not. No. <laughs> so, uh, but the, but the Stanley Parable, uh, it's from the from July, like July of 2011 was the release date. And recently, though, they uh, came out with the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, which came out in 2022. And I recently picked that up because there was a huge sale because I like buying games on sale. And uh, Interesting game, another sort of walking simulator, but in this case, you have a narrator in your head, and he's trying to guide you in the right direction, and when you don't follow his orders, he actually gets upset and calls you on it. And that's part of the game, but it just goes to so many weird places, and especially the deluxe edition, because... It gets they weirder? Make, Is that what you're paying it gets for, the price even, of the weirder? Yeah, it gets even weirder, and they really poke fun of themselves and make fun of the whole gaming industry as it works. So really great game. Another mind bending, not typical video game. As you can tell, that's sort of what I'm going for here. Awesome. I'm going to, my third movie is probably the most well-known of the list and that is Donnie Darko, but with a little asterisk at the the side of it at the end, um, watch the movie and pretend that Jake Gyllenhaal has written a book and the book is the movie like the character is actually the author if you watch it that way it gets really interesting <laughs> also gets into uh, the idea of like changing the narrative uh of the yes. way that in which you consume something and again it's also there you go. like it, it's the one reason why i re- refuse to believe that it, the house of leaves is partially a satire on academic writing i just can't yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I um yeah, I think it's an excuse to look along winded, but you know, between the people listening and, and the two of the three of us here, but like yeah. Um all right, Rob, hit me with probably the most I'd say it's the most well known book yeah. on the list. Um yeah. Yeah, so this is kind of ergodic. It just in like nobody had written a book like this. Uh and considering it was a guy that said he would never write a novel, 
um, in his life, um, you know, Lincoln the Bardo by uh, George Saunders is it can be a frustrating read if you kind of be, if you become obsessed with the style of it and kind of the execution of certain things. But if you let this book do its own thing and not get too wrapped up in your head about it, it's one of the most beautiful, haunting, and moving yeah. novels you will. I love ever the cover read. of that edition. Has too, yeah, it is so fucking gorgeous the way that it is, and like, yeah. um, uh. It, it, it you can see like some elements of uh house of leaves in here especially in that some chapters um uh, are basically quotes from fake sources that George Saunders includes not all fake sources but there are some uh real sources that um he does quote from but like uh juxtaposing like uh between characters that are in the quote-unquote Bardo, which is kind of like this liminal place, um, basically, you know. So, is it is it in a pistolary novel? Like, is it like just people talking to each other through like notes, or is it actually like prose? It's it's a combination read, right? so. of both. So, like, oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, it's like uh, so. Like, um, you will get. Um, what's interesting is like instead of saying you know he said she said. It will have the characters. Oh, like a script? Yeah, basically. It's kind of like a script. It has the character's name underneath it. So, like, you get their voice. And then in, say, like, the next chapter, it's, like, quoting from different sources. Oh, yeah, with, like, the justification at the end. Another Quark Express um, (laughs) dream to lay out in the early 2000s, I'm sure. Yeah. When did the book come out, by the way? 2017. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so an InDesign period. I apologize to all the InDesign heads out there. <laughs> Standard to lay things out. Angelo, video game number four. I'm sure you've heard of this, and you probably even played it. Eternal Darkness. Sure have. Nintendo Which is GameCube. why when I saw your list, I got excited. Yeah, it's another. It's, it's very different game from Nintendo, right? Like they, it, it wasn't. It wasn't developed by them, but they published it, and you're playing different characters through times, and sometimes. You lose your sanity, which causes the game to do really weird things. Uh, among the most famous being that it looks like it glitches out and you lose your save. Interesting. Which is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, kind of hard to play this now. There's no currently available version on any current system. It does not look like something Nintendo will re-release for the Switch at any point. But if so you have people GameCube, can come over and watch it. Like you play it right, like you're, well, you're not in my. I don't it. have it. I don't think I have it. I played it. I don't have it. Uh, okay, so you don't. You're not in possession of it. I am not. I do. Have you can still give out your address anyway. Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> but you can go to YouTube, uh, the internet website, and, and watch other people play it. And watch other people play yeah. Eternal Darkness. I was about to say Eternal Champions, which is a totally Ugh, different game. No. <laughs> let's not talk about Eternal Champions, the CD, the Sega CD, or the 32X or the CD. Oh no, God, no, let's not do that. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, a Mortal Kombat uh, attempt. <laughs> I was, gonna miss. so my fourth movie is a very interesting one and it's actually another canadian production so i apologize in advance for all you american heads out there it is a um, movie um from 2010 called beyond the black rainbow and it is a very much a vibes movie and what it is is really interesting in that like these people are trying to escape some kind of cult-like structure and it's got like a synthwave soundtrack and it's the guy who uh then directed mandy with nicholas cage um, so Panos, uh, Cosmatos, I think it's how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, it's all my Mediterranean people out there. If you want to like, you know, uh, correct me, double <laughs> click on the contact form, <laughs> but 
all that to say, it is a very vibes-based movie that you can sit there and derive a lot of meaning out of because there are a lot of interesting generational criticisms if you decide to read the movie in a certain way. Double density. Rob, we've reached the end of your booklet. Yeah. And the last book you've suggested here is a book that you've also suggested to us the last couple of weeks, and I'm super intrigued by it. Yeah. So um, I bought this book a long time ago um, because somebody who is in... All right, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna out myself here. Uh, somebody in uh, it was a David Foster Wallace kind of like appreciation group recommended it. So I'm like, okay, I'll I'll pick it up. But like, has the was this like a Facebook group? Uh, n- yeah, it was. Yeah, holy crap. Okay, listen, listen, straight up, Facebook groups are the best for random stuff. Yes. I will not like Truly. like I we talked about hoagies a couple of episodes ago, right? right? I found a really I just joined a really interesting Facebook group um that lists off swipes that comic book artists do of like other work as well as like real world figures and stuff, and I am endlessly fascinated yeah. by it. So own own it, Rob. It's own truly it. like Facebook is the ultimate place for the nichest of niche like <laughs> interests that you can have. Um, yeah. But so okay, so you're on this Facebook group. This person's like, "Hey, you should check this out, everyone." Blah blah blah. Yeah. What is the hook for you that you like are like, "Yo, this is the book." Okay, so the immediately I I went to go look it up, and and the quote that got me. Uh, this is from Mark Haddon, the guy that wrote the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Uh, quote <laughs> the best. Bastard love child of the Matrix, Jaws, and the Da Vinci Code. How can you not want to pick up a book? That's a pretty good description. With that quote. So yeah. the book in question is called The Raw Shark Text by Stephen Hall. And the idea, the premise here is that there's this guy named Eric Sanderson. He wakes up in a house that he does not recognize. He does not um remember much of his own life and basically you know he finds this diary with entries about the love of his life who died and it reads like a thriller in in a lot of ways it moves it's very fast-paced in in the way that it it moves so like it won't slog you down and it's not insurmountable it's like 400 some on pages so like definitely a much easier read than than house of leaves and will leave you on the edge of your seat though uh thankfully there aren't like uh cliffhangers on every after every chapter like how many footnotes (laughs) how many footnotes Like 60, 70, 80, 100? How many appendices? Uh, none. It's a very none. thin-looking book in comparison. None. Like, it so. is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, there are some, like, interesting... The, the In terms of, like, style, there are some interesting stylistic choices, such as, you know, you've got a book with... Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's interesting page. to me, though. It, it doesn't seem to be obnoxious. No. It's, so, like, basically, there's a, a series of letters cascading down a page yeah. at one point. Yeah. like there are, Kind of Matrix style, almost. Yeah, basically, there's there's one with an empty page right there. Uh, hey, good place to start. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> like, it kind of blends horror, um, dystop, uh, you know, dystopic, philosophical ideas and just, like, slams it together in one book and i started reading it it is really interesting i i will say that so this is really interesting angela what did you look up i i went so angela just shared a screenshot that i'll share on socials what is this because this seems really interesting so i went to amazon to look for the raw shark texts and as i scrolled down it said what do customers buy after viewing this item 
they either buy uh, House of Leaves or yep. Horror Store, a novel, <laughs> both of which have been, been mentioned in this. Obviously, House of Leaves, that's the whole podcast, but we also yes. mentioned Horror Store. Yeah, which is weird, but great. Yeah. All right, Angel, your last video game, I will allow you to discuss it. Well, okay. <laughs> All of their games are like this. Usually, there's a moratorium I'm mentioning from software games, but... All of their games are weird in a way and different from most video games in that they don't seem to care if you don't, like, do their content because they'll cut off certain things if you screw something up. And Bloodborne, I chose it because it's obviously very horror-centric, a lot of Lovecraftian stuff in it. And it's really weird, and I kind of was reminded of it because of Eternal Darkness in that in Bloodborne, certain certain things cause your sanity to go, and you mm-hmm. see different things depending on where you are at in the game. It's one of the best games ever, in my opinion. One of my favorite games. Uh, only PlayStation 4, uh, but you can play it on a PS5 as well. It actually is free if you have a PS5 because it's part of the PlayStation uh, legacy thing or whatever. You get like 20 free games when you get a PS5. Uh, if you're on PlayStation Plus, and this is really selling the experience here, really good game. Like it is, it is one of the best games. A lot of people are hoping for a PS5 remake because it is uh, 30 frames per second, which isn't the best for this type of uh, fast-paced action RPG. Still great though, and I highly recommend it to anyone. Brian, one day we'll play a From Software game. I hope and I would. We'll I would change. give it a try at one point. Um, Angela, and have we'll you heard about the new podcast. Souls-like game that's like all the rage right now? Have you heard about the Lies of Lies P? Of P? Yeah, yeah, of course. You're playing Pinocchio in a <laughs> yeah. Souls-like game. People are loving this game, although they're saying it's harder. Than it's harder. Souls. I watched. Yeah. I watched two streamers play it in the last couple of weeks since it came out, and it is definitely a very difficult game. Yeah, so that worries me because I'm not very good at video games, but it is something that I will likely get. Once it's on sale, because I have tons of games to play, and I rarely buy full price games. Although I did pay full price for Spider Man Two, but that was, uh, let's say, in in the cards to buy because I I, I do like Spider Man, and it is well worth the price of admission for that game. Also playing Vampire Survivors, which I can't remember if we mentioned in this podcast Bef- or we've talked about it on the talk- podcast. But uh, po- I suggested yeah. to you on Switch. You bought it. You love it. Yeah, it's because I've had it on the phone fo- on on iOS. I've on had telephone. it on telephone. On telephone, I had it on my telephone playing on my Nokia device, uh, but I I had it on Mac, which is fine, but it's so much better on the Switch in that you can just play it on the Switch or on your TV. It's great and uh, really fun game. So I was going to suggest last movie for um, my list, but um, in a weird moment of synchronicity, I hadn't done any YouTube viewings of anything related to House of Lees. I hadn't Googled or anything. And then yesterday... I got served a video by um, YouTuber Powerpack entitled MyHouse.Wad inside Doom's most terrifying mod. It is essentially House of Leaves, but done way better. And uh, the video is about an hour and 42 minutes long. It feels like a movie. It is super interesting. It's stru- the video is structured in the same way the novel is, but it is actually a way more satisfying experience that oh. gets itself done much more quickly without any Johnny Truant. And so, like, I'm going to link it to the uh, link the YouTube video in the show notes. But, like, I was mind blown at the weirdness of me not having touched House of Leaves uh, online, not having, like, talked to it. Like, I talked about it via cell phone, but, like, this video is, like, five months old. And it's been sitting in my sidebar mm. for, like, at least, like, three of those months. And I never decided to check it out until yesterday morning when I had a little bit of time. And it was so strange to, like, watch a video and then, like, it dawns on you that, like, this is what's going on. And Do essentially, they acknowledge the setup, that it is House of Leaves? I mean, like, yes. Okay. essentially 
<laughs> like you go into the house mod and like the house starts shifting over and there's like a, a much larger story there and there's a story also about um the setup of this like this actually got dropped um in uh, so the doom modding community is still huge and going on and um someone dropped the wad file like the doom file the level um or a player file um through like the like the semi-official like doom modding community forums and like it's just been like it's been going off it's been going off on the doom forums guys hot damn hot diggity i you know before we stop you know get out of here and stop recommending things i think the one thing that we have to recommend is dave made a maze like uh oh yeah um just yeah just because like if you uh, you know even if you're intrigued by the navitson report itself i think it really like dave made a maze because like it's really you know it's so strange it's yeah. also so cardboardy yes and like the the way that that movie is done is so so good um but like you know it's about a loser who makes a cardboard fort in his living room that turns out to be much larger than it actually looks so like um certain parallels are being drawn here i guess yeah like i think um, but to much better results yeah i think it's uh, it definitely inspired by house of leaves to a certain extent you can't tell me that it isn't but uh <laughs> uh it's it's such a fun and weird movie that i you know i actually am due for a rewatch it's been it's been yeah. a long time but yeah. uh definitely worth a watch it also came out in 2017 and i mean like it's it's so, written well, by bill watterson <laughs> co-written you know so kind of trippy yeah um and like just it makes sense for the guy from calhoun hobbs to like reemerge yeah. and like haven't written co-written this right so it totally tracks yeah totally does uh, okay, so we're kind of at the end of the episode. So, Rob, this is a place where you get to plug what you're up to. Just because our strange guys is kind of taking a little bit of a break doesn't mean that you've been sitting on your butt. I know you've been doing a lot of different things. So I want you to go ahead and tell me what's up. He's telling stories in bars. Uh, yeah, if you want to uh, hear... You were legitimately a troubadour almost. Yeah, kind of. Uh... Could people pay to have you travel and, like, you can just do a night with Rob or you just, like, <laughs> for, like, 300 bucks a, a, a speaking engagement or whatever, like, Rob will come to your venue of choice provided that you fly him down and just do this. yeah exactly uh we, i will be doing a speaking tour of many colleges now uh you know if you're college- <laughs> honestly like you could yeah. you could honestly at this point yeah like you you have the powerpoint i do i do have the powerpoints um so yeah our strange skies has one more episode the then it's going to be taken a, a a significantly long break while I write a book. Um, but uh, beyond that, there are things that I will probably be doing with my Patreon uh, because like one thing that I, I wanted to do and uh, I asked, I asked Brian a while ago um, uh, to uh, what his favorite book of all time was. And the, the one uh, that he came up with is interesting uh, because it's a, a, a book called The Comic. <laughs> well, it kind of ties into the discussion of work yeah. we had tonight, but not exactly. Like, like, I don't want to talk about the book itself, but it's not like I don't think you expected me to answer that. No, I didn't expect you to answer it in no. the way that it was, but uh, it's, it's a the book, Da Vinci Code, right? Uh, it's a book in which you know Michael Andache Andrew, yes. is having a has multiple conversations <laughs> with Walter Murch, who is a film editor, and just like about like different aspects it's bonkers it touches so many different things it touches film it touches literature it it touches art how to view art how to edit art yeah and uh can you show me where the book touched you (laughs) it's right here um i I really wish 
I wish we could boot a host from the Zoom call. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I've, I've wanted to do is kind of like a um, Patreon-only podcast called My Friends' Favorite Books. And, like, just have my friends t- uh, talk about uh, their favorite books with me for, you know, an episode. And uh, we're probably going to be doing that with the Patreon. I also... Uh, That's fun. That's a good... I think your community really appreciates yeah. it, too. And, like, there's probably, like, a good feedback loop. Like, you could probably get a lot of, like, really interesting mm-hmm. responses and conversations going, too. Yeah. So, like, that's a really good move. Yeah. Um, I also... Uh, we, we had this idea a while ago to do, like, commentary tracks on alien movies, and we still need to do uh, the one that we had. What the heck were we going to do? <laughs> Extra. Extra, yeah. So, um, there's going to be some stuff. Which, to anyone who knows the movie Extra, you'll want to listen to. And if you don't know the movie Extra, yeah. you'll still want to listen. It is a bizarre film. <laughs> yeah, it is a very weird film. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing stuff on my Patreon. I'm also just going to, like, have conversations with people about, like, you know, aliens and, and, and stuff. So like the Patreon is, is going to be where it's at. Uh, and I believe it's patreon.com slash your UFO guy. It should bring you to that. Um, talk about your collaboration. Yeah. So I do, uh, I actually have a couple of comic projects that I do. So, uh, the first is welcome UFO people, which is a collaboration between me and my buddy Todd purse. And, what we do is once a month we will release a five-panel comic that uh, depicts a real-life UFOs and uh, humanoid incidents uh, throughout the uh, ages. We've done 13 or 14 of them at this point. I think we've done 14. And uh, we're going to get to a certain point where we're going to make a book, throw them into a book, and uh publish those with uh, with some extras in them and uh we've a- I've actually written all my portions of that it's just uh you know taking Todd some time to do it but uh well, I was going to say it's a process right? yeah, so. yeah yeah exactly yeah. but uh we're on uh, Twitter at welcome ufo peeps and we're on Instagram at welcome ufo people and uh we do release uh high res images on our Patreon pages so if you want that you can uh, sign up for our Patreons for that. Uh, we do have prints um, for the first seven issues, which are available at createmagicstudios.com. Um, and my second uh, project is uh, with my friend uh, Jonathan Dodd, who is a fantastic illustrator. Uh, it's a project called Aliens Say the Darndest Things. And uh, we basically take... Uh, you know, again, we're talking about uh, real reported incidents of uh, encounters with aliens and such. And there are encounters in which people have, you know, talked to aliens and uh, these aliens have talked back and stuff like that. And basically it's a New Yorker style cartoon in which, uh, you know, we kind of play with, uh, you know, the idea. The first one we did was on the Zanfretta abduction and... uh it's it's a great image. Of, it's good. Yeah. Honestly, it's good. Yeah. It, it reminds me of a cross between the New Yorker and like the classier old school like Mad yeah. Magazine kind of vibes, but the the great tones being used. Yeah, exactly. So like uh, we are on uh, Instagram at the moment at um, Aliens Say the Darndest Things. Uh, we'll get on to X at some point uh, when uh, I tried <laughs> signing up and it just wouldn't happen. So you know. The, that is what Angelo's it is. off of X. He'll just give you his handle. Yeah. 
We'll just I'm do not that. A, Andrew, I'm off, off of everything. Yeah, he's off but of everything. Like I feel like I'm missing out. You guys talked about the fun you're having on Facebook, on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. To be fair. Nothing. People send home, me Instagram yeah. links and they don't even work. Yeah, to yeah. be fair, I did, uh, ex- I did delete Oh, those are t- actually, Facebook. that really doesn't work. Yeah. yeah, like Instagram will let you watch it once without logging in. And if you, like, my friend sent me a clip of a music thing the other day. And I, it automatically this is such a muted. Comment, Angela. Yeah, it automatically I muted. Hear a thing. Yeah, I couldn't hear it. So there we go. Send uh, me a I'm sure that you have a, a migraine, though. I know it's not easy to deal with a migraine in recording. So I'm, I'm really glad that you decided to show up, dude. Yeah, like, it's, it's fine. Just... It's just, it's, it's something I'm used to because of some a neck injury. It basically goes from my shoulder mm. all the way into the back of my skull, and I, it, it usually it's, it can't be as bad as a regular migraine because. Like Tylenol will usually kill it, and my mm-hmm. wife deals with migraines, and Tylenol does nothing for migraines. So this is much milder than migraines. Have you so tried like... ex- importing Excedrin illegally? No, it's fine. X on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that, Rob, where can people find you though? Yeah, oh, yeah. If you want to find me, uh, I am. A... Well, apart from the bars, like, yeah. Let's just yeah. Make this clear. Like there may be a wild Rob apparition mm-hmm. in like New York State at some time. Yeah. Get ready for it. But apart from that, if people like want to track you down in a concrete kind of way, uh, I am on uh, X, formerly Twitter at your UFO guy. <laughs> what a name! Yeah, <laughs> spelled Y E R UFO guy. You can find me there. You can find me on Blue Sky. You can find me on um, Instagram. That, that's pretty much it. And uh, Rob always finds the coolest art and posted his stories. So definitely follow him on Instagram because some mornings I'll wake up because you work earlier than I do. There's like four or five, and I'm always like. It's always, like, a nice way to start the day of, like, seeing, like, different ways in which cryptids and, and UFOs and aliens and other kind of, like, fantastical things that could exist in the realm of of, of reality exist. Yeah. Um, it's it's fun. It's a nice way to do it. It is. It, it really is. Angela, where can people find us? Well, as I alluded to, I don't like the change of name from X, from Twitter to X. <laughs> so I'm off of Twitter and X. Uh, X.com slash double underscore dancing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but you can, yeah, you can follow the the podcast as its own uh, social media presence. For me, though, you can just send me a a message through the form that you can find at doubledensity.net. Yeah, click on the contact form, fill it out, be truthful. Uh, talk to us about House of Leaves. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Do you hate you us for Angela liking it or it? hating it? Yeah. I can't believe, like, if Rob would have invited me on a podcast 10 years ago to talk about my favorite book, I would have probably said House of Leaves. Wow. And now... I don't know what the hell I was, th- but I, I don't remember what I liked about this book when I read it initially. I thought I really liked it, uh, but I, I know full well my favorite book is Slaughterhouse Five. Respectable, yeah, actually. Yeah, I read that I, several I times. I didn't peg you as a Kurt Vonnegut kind of guy. That's super yeah, and I've read several of his books. Yeah, oh, that and okay. Breakfast Champions. Really I mean, I am I'm a huge fan of uh, Mother Night, so uh, respect. Oh, I have not yeah. read that, and I'm mm, gonna have to change. That's the one really with wild. the aliens. I can't remember. No, no, it's, all a, aliens, it's about actually, the but... uh, Nazi dude on trial. Yeah. Uh, you can find me over at Brian Hasty, Brian with an I over on uh, the Dreader website, X, uh, Brian MTL over on Instagram, and then uh, Double Density Podcast on Instagram. Angela forgot to mention that, but that's okay. Oh, yeah, we'll survive. Forgot. And then uh, doubledensity.net for everything else, as well as our email address. If you just want to skip the contact form and just open up your browser or your phone, doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com. Make the subject line as weird as possible uh, to ensure that I will forward it to Angelo and make him very confused. And uh, <laughs> this has been it. For episode 247, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. I always have such a blast when you show up. Um, next year, I'm going to find the worst book possible. I'm just FYI. Yeah. Like, we're doing this next year, and I'm going to I'm gonna dig through the trenches of bad literature for us to, like, talk about, like, 
something that is like so edgelordy it makes you want to cry. I right. look forward to this. Um, how I don't, uh, like ritualistic torture is how. It yeah, goes. that's uh, that's a fair. I think that's a fair descriptor of it. I can't wait to be um, ritually tortured in complete agony next year with whatever choice <laughs> that you decide to make. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, like, I look forward to it every year, and I, I appreciate it whenever you have me on your podcast, guys. Uh, it's, it's always great. I think Angel just cried a bit. <laughs> yeah, I did. It makes me happy. So, yeah, as I said before, this has been it for episode 247 of the Double NC Podcast. And as always, uh, tune in and then uh, check us out. Because next episode, Angela and I are jumping headfirst into Snake Charming. I don't know if I told you this, Rob, but Angela is oh. running the, the little flute that you play to Snake Charm. And uh, he'll be showing us all of his efforts. And to all of you listening to this on day of release, Halloween. Happy Halloween. Stay safe. Um, check for the cool shit inside of the candy. Like I want to, I want to see some razor LSD blades. Tabs. Yeah, yeah. No, no. LSD. Our tabs. candy is actually bigger on the inside. Yeah. And MDMA. Like, let us know. Like, are you doing edibles? Weed edibles inside of a Reese's Pieces cup? Like, tell us. Yeah. Or Reese's yeah. cup. I should say not Reese's Pieces. Let us know. Um, as always. And yeah, tune in next week as Angela teaches us a little bit about snakes. Yeah, we all know Reese's Pieces are for aliens. Mm. And for nobody else. <laughs>